grab your Bibles, turn to the book of 1 Peter chapter 3. We are in week 5 of our 8-week journey through the book of 1 Peter, written by Peter, part of Jesus' inner triangle, his uh, closest disciples, written late in Peter's life, 30 to 35 years after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and in a much different context, a context of persecution. Uh, When Jesus walked the earth, for the most part, he was ignored by the Romans uh, until the very end. But this is a different time. This is a different context. And so Christians everywhere are suffering a great, great persecution. And so Peter writes this book to encourage them to stand firm in the midst of persecution. To stand firm even though many might be thinking about throwing in the towel. They're asking questions like, is the faith worth it? Should I continue on as a follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ? And in addition to standing firm, Peter reminds first century Christ followers of the need to be holy in the way that they live their lives. Here's a quick review of where we've been. Week one, we tackled the first seven verses and saw that God has given us this incredible gift, this living hope, this new birth through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Week two, because of this great gift of salvation, Peter implores followers of Jesus to live lives of holiness, to be holy in all that they do. And we came away with the idea that if we want to be holy, a great way to try to accomplish that is to say, I want to look more and more like Jesus every day. I want to look more and more like Jesus when I go to work. I want to look more and more like Jesus when I go to the basketball game. I want to look more and more like Jesus in my home. I want to look more and more like Jesus wherever I go. Week three, we jumped over several verses and looked at verses 9 through 12 of chapter 2. The takeaway is you are the very people of God. This is adoption language. Peter is reminding first century Christ followers, whether you are Jew or Gentile, God wants you. You are a chosen people. You are a holy nation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a people who belong to God. And last week, we looked at verses 13 through 25, the last half of chapter 2. And the big takeaway was that biblical submission leads to freedom. And that sounds odd. And if you missed the sermon last week, that might not make any sense at all. I'd encourage you, if you have time, to, to listen to the message on the website. We put our sermons up every Monday morning. Karen Rice does a great job pulling that off for us. But the idea is that if you truly embrace biblical submission, it will lead to freedom. This week, we jump over the first part of chapter 3. We kind of looked at a little bit of the beginning of chapter 3 last week. And we look at verses 13 through 22. And the big takeaway this morning is it is really important that you tell the story of Jesus. It's really important that we be Christ's ambassadors. So with that, let's dive into the text. We're going to read verses 13 through 22 of 1 Peter chapter 3. Who's going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. It is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, made alive by the Spirit, 
through whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison who disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. It is only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water, and this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. The word of the Lord, 1 Peter 3, beginning with verse 13. Why is it so hard to share your faith? Why is it so difficult when it gets right down to it to take what you feel in your heart on Sunday morning? You know what I'm talking about. The church service was just perfect. The Sunday school class just really hit you right where it needed to. You had the courage like you've never had before as you walked to the parking lot and got in your car. And then work arrives Monday morning. Then the celebration arrives Sunday evening with your family and friends. And what seemed like such a good idea to share your faith at 9.30 a.m. on Sunday is just gut-wrenching difficult at 9 a.m. on Monday or 5 p.m. on Sunday or 8 p.m. on Friday. Why is it so difficult to share your faith? Some of us, like me, we've been in the church literally all of our life. The first Sunday we were on this earth, we were in the church, and we've been in the church almost every Sunday since. But it's sermons like these that cause us the most pain. It's sermons like these, passages of Scripture like these, that make us sweat. We'll take the sermon on lust. We'll take the sermon on stealing. We'll take the sermon on sin. And we just have no problem at all facing that head on. But when we talk about evangelism, when we talk about sharing our faith, we start to check out. Maybe we grab our smartphone and we start thinking about sending an email to someone or checking out what's happening in the Olympics 10 hours ahead. We struggle with the idea of sharing our faith. And I have to tell you, it shouldn't be that way. Howard Hendricks put it like this. In the midst of a generation screaming for answers, Christians everywhere are stuttering. I think he's got it nailed right on the head. We struggle to share our faith. And so this morning, I don't want this to be a beat you up, kick you in the rear, make you feel awful kind of sermon. But I do want it to be an honest look at what we can do differently. What resources we have available so that we can truly be the salt of the earth. So we can truly be the light of the world. At second service today, a father, mother, and son are going to be baptized. And they're going to be baptized because after a couple years of seeking, someone sat down with them and shared with them the plan of salvation, the good news of Jesus Christ. And at the end of that meeting, they couldn't wait to say, yes, I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Yes, I want to submit to baptism. Yes, I want to start my life as a follower of Jesus Christ. I hope at some point in your life, you experience that joy of being Christ's ambassador, of being able to share the good news with someone that doesn't know Jesus today. So with that, let's dive in. The sermon's really pretty simplistic in terms of structure. We're going to look at the how of sharing our faith, the why of sharing our faith, and the result 
of sharing our faith. So let's start with the how of sharing your faith. First of all, how do we share our faith? You have to have courage. You have to have courage. Look at verses 13 and 14. Who's going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. The first thing you have to have is you have to have courage that you can do this, that God will bless you, that you will be able to be Christ's ambassador. And right there for some of us, we're saying, but I don't know enough. I haven't memorized my Bible. Guess what? I haven't memorized my Bible either. I've never been through an evangelism explosion class. I don't have any Bible tracks. I don't know what to do. First and foremost, be someone that's willing to have courage. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul, I think, gives us a great picture of how conversions take place much of the time. And here's what he said, writing about people that came to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He says, Paul speaking, I planted the seed, Apollos watered the seed, God made it grow. Paul didn't make it grow. Apollos didn't make it grow. God made it grow. And so under this umbrella of having courage, let me encourage you first and foremost to be someone that's willing to plant seeds. To be willing to be someone that's watering seeds. Let me give you a great opportunity, guys. you got a great opportunity this week. Tomorrow night is the wild game potluck. And, and, and I know some of you are chuckling because you're not big fans of wild game. But guess what? A lot of guys will come to a wild game potluck and they would never think about at this point in their life coming to 8.15 service or 11 o'clock service on Sunday morning. Get some courage. Invite someone to come with you. Bake your favorite wild game dish. And if you don't have wild game, just make some brownies or cookies or something and come tomorrow night and, and, and get someone in your life that doesn't know Jesus inside the walls of this building. Will that make them a Christian like that? Not at all. Not at all. Just showing up at church doesn't make you a Christian? Not at all. Not at all. But it might be the very first seed of faith that's being planted. And who knows where it goes from there. Number one, have courage. Second, we're called to be people who are willing to be prepared. We have to be prepared. I think verse 15 of 1 Peter 3 is one of the 10 most important verses in the New Testament in terms of Christians sharing their faith. Here's what Peter says. In your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Do you know your personal testimony? Now, some of you are looking at me like I have two noses because you're saying, I didn't know I had a personal testimony. You do. Everyone in this building has a personal testimony. They're all different. They all start different places and, and are at different points in terms of spiritual maturity today. But we all have a story to tell. And sometimes the stories are, are, are boring in nature. And, and sometimes they're, they're, they're very adventurous in nature. But your story is your story. And the number one model of evangelism that the world has ever seen is friendship evangelism. It's one person telling another person the difference that Jesus has made in their life. So you need to be prepared first and foremost with your story. You could do your story right now. We could carve time out in the service right now, and you could put together your personal testimony. Another resource that you need to have at your disposal is 
a plan of salvation. The New Testament is a huge book. The Bible is a huge book. There's obviously hundreds of thousands of verses of Scripture. So how do you take the Bible and share the plan of salvation? And the cool thing about it is people a lot smarter than me have put together plans of salvation that have worked for for quite some time. At the Welcome Center today, I made 40 copies of just a white piece of paper entitled, How Do I Share My Faith? And it shares the Roman road. Many of you have that. It shares Bob Russell's ABCD to Christ, admit that you've sinned, believe in Jesus as Lord, confess that Jesus is the Lord of your life, demonstrate your allegiance to Christ by repenting of sin and being baptized. I would love to see all 40 gone. I would love to see people begin to memorize the Roman road, 323, all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. 623, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. It goes all the way to chapter 12. There's six verses, chapter 12. Do not conform any longer, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be prepared. Memorize scriptures. Spend time practicing. If you have a spouse, if you have a boyfriend, girlfriend, if you have a sibling, if you have somebody, practice sharing your faith. Number three, I think we have to be people who are always showing respect. Do this with gentleness and respect keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. I think one of the real challenges for Christians today are Christians today. We're our own worst enemy at times. We, we get out of control when we're at work. We get out of control in social settings. We get out of control at neighborhood gatherings. We get out of control when we're outside the walls of this church. And I would just challenge you, whoever you are, to to really think through the decisions that you make in terms of the conversations that you're a part of, the relationships that you're a part of. Nothing harms the cause of evangelism more than Christians who don't act like Christians. So am I saying you have to be perfect? No, because you won't be perfect. But there's a difference between saying, I'm struggling, but I'm trying to do my very best, And just kind of shrugging your shoulders and saying, I'm saved by the grace of God, so anything goes. Take conversations seriously. Look for opportunities to be a blessing. I've got to share a pet peeve with me, and I almost didn't share this because I know some people are going to be offended, but it, it has really bothered me for quite some time. Some of the conversations that I hear take place when people who don't go to church show up at our church or when people who haven't been at this church for, for a very long time show up at this church. And I know it's, it's kidding, it's joking, conversations like, I think I'm going to have to fall over, so-and-so's in the church building. I can't believe that she's here today trying to get a laugh. If I was that person, I'd turn around and walk out the door if someone said that to me. And so be wise. Show respect. Show the love of Jesus Christ. Someone comes to church that hasn't been here in six months, go give them a big bear hug. Give them a big kiss on the cheek. Well, maybe not the big kiss on the cheek, but let them know that you're glad that they're here. Let them know that they they matter to you, and more importantly, they matter to God. Number one, how do I share my faith? Secondly, I want to talk this morning about why we should share our faith. Why should we share our faith? The first reason we should share our faith is for, because of God's unconditional love for us. 
God's unconditional love for us. In verse 18, Peter writes, Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit. God's unconditional love for us. Um, Lance Armstrong has uh, seen his reputation just really be destroyed by uh, accusations of, of doping. Um, but I want to talk about uh, a conversation that I heard come from his lips that changed me forever when it comes to evangelism. That He wasn't really even talking about evangelism, but he was talking about when he beat cancer and was able to jump back into the world of cycling, how he made it kind of his mission to be an ambassador to raise money for cancer research as long as he could. And someone asked him, why would you do that? Why did you feel so compelled? He called it the obligation of the cured. The obligation of the cured. Friends, if you know the joy and the blessing of having Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if when we read verses 1 through 7 of chapter 1, the, the great gift of new birth, of living hope, the inheritance that will never perish, spoil, or fade, how can we keep that to ourselves? How can we continue to go through our lives with people that don't have that hope, that don't know the good news of Jesus Christ and just remain silent, just kind of shrug our shoulders? Too many people have bought the club mentality when it comes to Christianity. I'm just in a club. It's just my Sunday morning thing. I go to church, I sing some songs, I give some money, I hear a boring sermon, and I go to breakfast, and it doesn't really change my life. And that's not what being a Christ follower is all about. The first reason that you should want to share your faith is because of God's unconditional love for you. Secondly, God's unconditional love for others. Probably the most famous verse of Scripture in all of the Bible, John 3, 16. God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And we've taken Sunday mornings and only looked at John 3, 16. God's unconditional love, God's sacrificial love, and how God's love is available. I hope that we never grow tired of being able to acknowledge, yes, I should share my faith because of God's love for me, but also because of God's love for others. Well, we've talked about the how of sharing our faith and the why of sharing our faith. Let's wade into what happens when we share our faith. What happens when someone makes the decision that, yes, I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Well, the first thing that happens is salvation from sin. Salvation from sin. In verse 21 of our text, we see this. Speaking about Noah and the flood and the symbolism of a baptism, Peter writes these words, This water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so the first thing that happens when we're serious about sharing our faith and people hear the good news the gospel is that they receive salvation from sin because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Secondly, we see victory over Satan. This is where the sermon, unfortunately, gets a little muddied 
Because there is a passage of Scripture that if you were paying attention when I read it, you're probably scratching your head saying, what in the world does that mean? When I was studying this week, I was scratching my head saying, what in the world does that mean? Uh, Look at verses 19 and 20. It says, Through whom also Jesus went and preached to the spirits in prison who disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. If I were to try to write down maybe the, the five most misunderstood chunks of Scripture in, in my world, this is in the top five right here, okay? Um, and, and so I've read several commentaries this week and listened to what several preachers have to say. Uh, th- there are three primary interpretations about what exactly Peter is talking about. One view is that Peter is stating that Jesus went to Hades and preached to the spirits of those who've been disobedient in the days of Noah. That's one view. A second view is that um, the spirit of Jesus preached actually through Noah. That during the time of Noah, during the time of the flood, the spirit of Jesus embodied him and preached through him. The third view is that After Jesus' resurrection, he preached to certain supernatural beings who had been disobedient during the times of Noah. And every commentator was very crafty. They they said after sharing the the primary views that they really had no idea which of the three views were true. And so I'm going to say I don't really know which of the three views um, I, I would align toward. But this much I know, what Peter is trying to communicate is that Jesus Christ had victory over Satan. And when we share our faith, when we are passionate, when people come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, they experience victory over the power of Satan as well. There's a third result of sharing our faith, and it's the hope of heaven. The hope of heaven. That's nothing new. The hope of heaven has has shown up really in almost every one of these sermons, way back to the very first one, where where, where Peter shared about an inheritance that will never perish, spoil, or fade. But look at how he ends chapter 3. He says, Who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. Author John White wrote this in relationship to evangelism, in relationship to sharing our faith. Here's what he said. He said, a good witness isn't like a salesman. Emphasis is on a person rather than a product. A good witness is like a signpost. It doesn't matter whether it's old or young or pretty or ugly. It has to point the right direction, and it has to be able to be understood. We are witnesses to Christ. We point to him. And so right now, what I want you to do, what I'd like everyone to do, is I'd like you to take your bulletin, and if you didn't have a bulletin, take an attendance card, some some piece of paper, and I want you right now to write down just one name, one name of someone in your life that doesn't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And if you're here this morning, and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, I challenge you to write your name. Put your name on that piece of paper. Do that right now, please. One name. One name. Can I challenge you this week 
to keep that name close to your heart, to keep that name in front of your eyes. When you get up in the morning, pray for that person. When you get ready to go to bed tonight, pray for that person. When you have free time at work, or maybe you're surfing the internet, or reading the newspaper, or watching the Olympics, or doing some leisure time activity, say a prayer for that person. Pray that their heart would be open to the good news of Jesus Christ. Don't forget the scripture we looked at earlier. Paul said that he watered, he planted, Apollos watered, but it was God that made the seed grow. But also pray for yourself. Pray that you will have courage to speak truth, to speak the truth, to speak the truth of Jesus Christ. That you'll have courage, that you'll be prepared, that you'll take opportunity, take the most of opportunities that, that are right here for the taking, and that you can be our bottom line for our sermon today. Our bottom line is this, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. You are Christ's ambassador. You're not Christ's legislator. You're Christ's ambassador. That means you take the truth and you tell the story. Let's never grow tired of telling the story of Jesus. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. And thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. He's our hope. Thank you for the difference that he makes. And Father, help us to, to always remember we're not called to be a salesman. We're not called to be a saleswoman. We're not called to force someone into doing something they don't want to do. We're called to be salt. We're called to be light. We're called to love. We're called to be an ambassador. And so help us to be people of courage. Help us to be people of resolve. Help us to make a difference in your name. We love you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. It is in the